0: I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans, the 8th chapter, and I'm going to be reading from Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. We're in this sermon series during this uh, brief time thinking together about how families work sometimes, don't always work that way, but how they're supposed to work and could work sometimes, and we take our cue from God who placed us in families, in a family spiritually. And I'm going to read from Romans 8, beginning in verse 14. And I invite you, if you're able, to stand in honor of God's word as God's word comes among us. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption, When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. How families work sometimes, not all the time, doesn't always work just right. In fact, if I were to ask you to raise your hand this morning, if you think your family's perfect, probably we wouldn't have too many hands go up. Uh, I know I blow it plenty of times as a husband and a father and a grandfather and a sibling and a child, Uh, and please don't seek Janet out for confirmation. We'll just let it go at that, all right? But we all mess up, and, and even the concept of, of family becomes uh, sort of disjointed in the fast-paced world we live in. Uh, I heard years ago about a crossword puzzle, and the clue was, uh, what makes a home? Nine letters. And the answer was furniture. That's missing the point. Furniture may make a house, but it doesn't make a home. And I also want to be honest this morning and acknowledge that when we think together about family, spiritual family of the church, biological family, when we deal with the concept of the fatherhood of God, I want to honestly acknowledge that some of us are in this room this morning uh, who grew up with less than ideal biological families, who grew up uh, uh, in a place and in a way in which maybe parent or father or, or the concept of family uh, was painful And I want to just name that at the beginning and and remind us that God has something better for us. What if I told you this morning that God makes a way for us to rewrite the family story? What if I told you that it was possible instead of being embarrassed by the family tree to actually reroute the family tree and grow it in different soil and see the family tree become different? What if I told you that we are not destined and doomed by the way family has been. That it is possible for the family story to be different and in a new direction. And it all stems from this marvelous passage of Scripture from one of the most amazing chapters in all of the Bible, Romans 8. And I'm going to read some of these words again because they're so important. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Those are wonderful words. It's the concept of adoption, and and in a congregation this size, I, I know there are some of us who've been blessed by the reality of adoption. Either you are a child who was adopted, or you are a parent who adopted someone, or we all know of people who have legally adopted someone to be a child. It's a a wonderful reality because it's a reality that says, we choose you, We, we name you, you are wanted, we picked you out. And that's a beautiful concept, not only for the nuclear family, but for the spiritual family. And the Apostle Paul knew exactly what he was doing, writing to the Christians in Rome in a very Greco-Roman world that understood adoption. The Romans had very elaborate and detailed stipulated rules and laws about legal adoption that included full inheritance. In fact, uh, Emperor Claudius legally adopted his grand-nephew Nero so that Nero would follow him on the throne when Claudius died. And, you know, you read the Apostle Paul saying when we become adopted, we become full heirs in everything that the father owns. And so Paul knew what he was talking about, getting getting at this truth with a culture that would understand what it means to belong to God's family. Now, Interestingly enough, while the Romans would understand the concept of adoption, that, that uh, illustration or that truth wouldn't go very far with most Jews because Jews uh, as a heritage, as a people, are much more tuned in to bloodline, to biological family. And so you remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, in John chapter 3? He didn't say, you know, Nicodemus, by faith, you can be adopted into God's family. He said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. Same reality, different kind of illustration of truth. Because both realities deal with a radical change, a break with the past. By faith in Jesus Christ, a new reality, a shedding of the old, an embracing of the new. And both of them deal with The promise of eternal life. We are born anew into God's family, into God's forever family. We are adopted and adoption could never be reversed. It could never be voided. It was permanent. So there's that everlasting life promise. But sometimes we haven't spent enough time when we thought about new birth, when we thought about adoption with this truth. That I am not cursed by my family tree by whatever that was wrong or, or unpleasant or poisoned by my family's past, I am not destined to repeat it. I have a choice in Jesus Christ and God can reroute the family tree, can replant that tree in different soil. And through the Holy Spirit, I can be born into a brand new family with a brand new family tree. Through the Holy Spirit, I can be adopted into that family. And it's a powerful, powerful image. Just think about it. Through the Holy Spirit, we can be placed in God's permanent family. I mean, that's a precious reality. When you ponder that through the Spirit, we become related to God as Jesus is related to God because he becomes our brother. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 says. And we become God's children so that we can start calling God what Jesus called God. And what did Jesus call God? He called him Father. Jesus even taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And at times, Jesus used the more intimate name. In fact, when Jesus was struggling in Gethsemane, Mark's gospel records that as Jesus was praying, he prayed, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. See, Abba is the Aramaic. Aramaic was the spoken language of Jesus' day. Greek was the written language of Jesus' day. And the Aramaic Abba uh, was a more intimate, less formal phrase for father, much like we would say daddy or papa or daddy, dad or something like that. And so Jesus taught us to pray in those personal, intimate terms. Brennan Manning, uh, in one of his books, tells a great story about attending a Jewish bar mitzvah. Brennan Manning was a Catholic priest, but he had a, a, a lot of friends in this particular synagogue. And uh, he was sitting with the rabbi and the rabbi's family during the festive meal, either before or after the bar mitzvah ceremony. And uh, the rabbi's four year old son got bored with adult conversation. And uh, he finished his meal before the adults did. Does that sound familiar? And he got restless, so he wanted to get up and go play. And he'd roam from table to table and and just kind of run from one place to the other. And then Brennan Manning noticed that the little boy became disoriented. The little boy got confused about all the tables that looked alike and all the adults who looked alike. And all of a sudden, he couldn't get his bearings and he couldn't find his dad and his mom. And uh, Manning saw that look of panic come over the little boy's face. And finally, the little boy spotted his daddy, the rabbi. And he ran toward his daddy. And about three feet away, he flung himself into the air. And before his daddy could catch him with his arms, Manning heard the little boy go, Ab, Ab, Abba, and he came into his father's arms for an embrace. Abba, daddy, as the little boy had been taught. What an intimate, beautiful scene of God's relationship with us. And Paul, by the way, chooses his words very carefully. In verse 16, he says, I'm sorry, verse 15, he says, we've received the spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, father, Paul could have said, when we say, Abba, Father. Or he could have said, when we pray, Abba, Father. But he says, when we cry. And the Greek word is a word that can mean a shriek of delight, a shriek of joy, like a little four-year-old projectile coming through the air. Abba, Daddy. The intimate, beautiful relationship that we have with God because of our relationship with Jesus Christ by faith, trusting in him. This is why every one of us needs Jesus Christ in our lives. Not secondhand through somebody else or through signing some membership card. But through personal faith experience. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. Because when Jesus Christ comes into our lives and adopts us, suddenly we have a core sense of being. Suddenly we have an identity that cannot be taken from us. It doesn't matter who we are, what we've done, what kind of background we have. We have this core identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. And it's not just who we are, but it's whose we are. And that adoption gives us that certainty and that beautiful dignity as children of God. And notice, we don't get it by something we earn. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that we share the position that Jesus has as a child, as a son, as a daughter. So we inherit everything. We're full heirs. We inherit everything because of our position in Christ, because of our relationship with Christ not, not anything we deserve not anything we earn it's by faith by trusting and receiving him it's a beautiful beautiful concept relationships are everything in God's family and God intends for earthly families to mimic and replicate his spiritual family so that relationships become central Uh, I recently finished reading a book by Thomas Lynch Thomas Lynch is a a funeral director he prefers the name Undertaker and he is also a prolific author and he writes a lot about his his profession his his calling and he said you know all through my years I've heard a lot of families when they sit down to plan plan the funeral say you know Mom just didn't want to be a bother, so we're going to do something simple. Or they'll say things like, uh, Dad just just didn't want to be a burden, so uh, let's make this quick. And Thomas Lynch says in this book, Why shouldn't I be a burden to my children? They've been a burden to me. He said, A lovely burden, but they've been a burden. And I thought about what Lynch said, and I thought, Those nasty diapers? Children are a bother. And then they get sick at their stomach, and I don't want to get too graphic, but, you know, all that cleaning up you have to do. And then when they start driving, you, you can't go to sleep till they get home at night, and they don't care if you lose sleep. And then all the money that it takes to feed them groceries and, and educate them. Children are a bother. Families are a bother. But, you know, love is all about sharing the bother. Family is all about sharing the burden. Love is all about sacrifice. That's what makes us human. That's what helps us bond. And in reality, that's what the cross is all about, isn't it? The cross is God's message to us that we are a great big bother, we are sinners. We are a mess, but God loves us so much that he went to the mess and bother of sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and be raised again that we might be adopted as children by faith into his family. So this, this intimacy with God that, that Paul describes through adoption is the intimacy and relationship focus that all families on earth are to work at and emulate and share. Irma Bombeck was one of my favorite columnists when she was alive, and she once wrote a famous column entitled, If I Had My Life to Live Over Again. In that column, she said, If I had my life to live over again, I would invite friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa was soiled. I would have sat down on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. There would have been more I love you's and more I'm sorry's, but mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it and really see it, and never give it back. It's all about relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. It is this very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what Paul says. That God has the power to place us in new soil, to change the root system and the nutrition and to change the family tree so that we might become everything he's created us to be. And on this Pentecost Sunday, a reminder, as Brooke told the children, that the Holy Spirit comes to make the very personality of Jesus alive in us. The Holy Spirit comes to make the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to make Jesus through us in families. We don't do it by ourselves. We can't do it without God's strength. Now, you need to hear this clearly. The Holy Spirit does not simply come to super saints. The Holy Spirit comes to imperfect, ordinary people just like you and me. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come to super churches only. The Holy Spirit comes to ordinary, imperfect churches just like us. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come only to super families who seem to have it all together. The Holy Spirit comes to flawed, messed up, imperfect, ordinary families just like yours. And just like mine.